Branch News, Cambridge Branch, Marion Mansfield. As a result of a lottery grant, Cambridge Branch organised a very successful meeting in Peterborough in September. This enabled members to come together to share ideas, information, support and friendship. Anne Fisher, Chris Gash and Muriel Porlock gave presentations on their roles within BRPS. Can I take this opportunity to thank all those who attended for their input and support? We all agreed that another meeting should take place in March 2004. Can you register your interest now? If numbers are adequate, we can organise a speaker from Moorfields. Please let us know now. Update on activities. We held our punting on the River Cam outing in August. The evening was wonderfully warm as we were chauffeured up the Cam, sipping wine and nibbling crisps. The views from the river are fabulous and the resplendent architecture some of the finest in the world. Our city collection produced a magnificent £700. A jumble sale is planned for October and by the time you read this we shall have held our AGM. Finally, congratulations to Matt Darkin on achieving his university degree. We all wish him a highly successful career in the music industry. It is with great regret that the branch has to report the death of Mrs Connie Ray, Anne Fisher's mother. Connie was a great support to the branch. She could always be relied upon to help at collections, jumble sales, etc. And despite her age, was never deterred by the weather. She came to most AGMs and attended and helped as many fundraising events as she could. We all miss her indomitable spirit. Coventry and District Branch, Julie Norman I open our branch news on a sad note. I have to inform you of the passing of Marge Yeats Langley. Everyone who knew Marge would tell you she was a friend to RP who will be very sorely missed. She was a founder member of our branch, which will be 25 years on June the 27th, 2004. She hung up her tins and tabards in favour of supporting us in other ways. Not only was Marge a lady with a tin to be reckoned with, she was a wonderful person who was loved by us all. Unfortunately, Marge never got to enjoy her retirement. She passed away very suddenly whilst picking her blackberries in her back garden. Our heartfelt condolences go to Marge's dear friend Hazel. We will always be here for you, Hazel, and we hope that you will still come and see us. Our deepest condolences go to Lee Field, who sadly lost her dad, Yorwith Warren, on 5th of July. Our heartfelt sympathies go to Lee and all the family. We will all be there for you when you need us. In memory of Marge and past members of our branch, we have placed a bench in the grounds of Shuckborough Grove where Marge lived for the last ten or so years of her life. Her home was her castle and her friends were there when we all got together to present the bench to them. It was a send-off that she would have loved to have been a part of. We hope her friends and neighbours will get many hours of happiness while pondering on the bench. A photo shows Marge's dear friends using the bench. Jean on the right, organising the tea party. 
Our sincere thanks for all your efforts. On a much happier note, we are pleased and proud to be congratulating Lisa and Rob Merry and little Travis on the birth of Jasmine Jane, who came into the world on 17th September. Our congratulations to Nanny and Grandad Jean and Richard Bartlam, Gwen, Lee and Karen. To Nicole, a girl cousin, to keep the boys in check. We have sent 3,500 to research so far and some more to go shortly. Collections are down, but we have kept the RP awareness going by having social events. The last big one was the Coventry Fun Run, which was run by Gary, Stephen and Natasha Hopkins and some of their friends, who all got sponsorship for RP. Mum, Donna, baked cakes and was given fruit for sale or as prizes in the tombola. When Canton donated drinks, which were also sold on the day, Thank you all for the hard work that you put into the fun day. You helped to raise £359 so far for the research into fighting blindness. To everyone, thank you all for your efforts for RP. Without your help and commitment, we wouldn't be able to support the research that is so desperately needed. Well done and thanks to all the committee for keeping the branch so strong. If any young persons would like to start an information-sharing email group, would they like to make contact with Chris Norman? He is waiting to hear from you fellow surfers. Chris.Norman4 at ntl-world.com Now some diary dates. Christmas dinner in the pipeline for December the 13th, probably at the Navigation Pub, Bedworth, for a three-course value-for-money meal and night out. Pudding Lovers Club, 13th of February 2004. Have a main meal and then vote on the pud you like best out of seven. Saturday, June the 19th, 2004. Our 25th anniversary celebrations. The cost will be approximately £25 with a three-course meal and live rock and blues band. The Road Hogs, fantastic. At the Alessey Hotel, Coventry. If you want to treat yourselves, the hotel is offering special rates for the rooms of £25 with breakfast. If you want to come along to any of our events, please contact us. Jean 01455 238073 or Julie 1615. We would love to see you. Croydon and District Branch, Joan Ricagna. Our last BRPS branch meeting was well attended due to Professor Bird's visit. It would be nice to see as many people helping in activities such as fundraising and doing collections. Sadly, our secretary Lucy Walker left to take up paid employment and we now need a secretary. Next year, most of our meetings will be held at the CVAB, Croydon Voluntary Association for the Blind, in Wellesley Road, Croydon. This is due to the closure of Purley Hospital. However, our last branch meeting at Purley Hospital will be held on Saturday the 17th of January 2004 when we will be having a cheese and wine party from 2pm to 4pm celebrating Norman Candy's birthday. So why not pop in to see us in the committee room at Purley Hospital after shopping in the sales? There will be cheese and wine of course, a raffle and an opportunity to chat to friends. Any unwanted Christmas gifts will be most welcome.
As collections seem to be our most successful fundraising activity, the committee will be focusing on these as we raise approximately £800 to £1,000 annually, which goes towards research for RP. We are still collecting stamps and foil, so please continue to collect these, which we can turn into cash. The fundraising catalogues have been sent to everyone in our branch, so please show this to your family and friends, as 25% of the value of all orders comes back to BRPS, which is donated to research for RP. If you wish to volunteer as secretary, a collector, or want further information, please do not hesitate to ring Joan on 020 8660 8164. Essex and Suffolk branch, Val Banwell. I reported in the last branch news that Colin and Linda were intent on leaving Essex. They haven't quite finalised details yet, but their intention is clear. They are leaving us. This is a personal sadness to me, and I'm sure a great sadness to all Essex branch members, past and present. Of course we wish them well. Grudgingly, do you really have to do it, Colin and Linda? Even though they have their minds on other things, Colin and Linda have still been working hard on behalf of the branch. Recently they attended an Indian evening at the Falcon Banqueting Suite in Ilford. Good food, good music and good company helped to raise a sum in excess of £3,000. Colin and researcher Pratik Butek gave a presentation about RP and the current state of research to the company. The second annual Stride for Sight took place along the seafront between Shubriness and Leon Sea on Sunday 21st of September. Once again the weather was very favourable and this time 40 people walked the route. Footsore participants relaxed and rested at the ship over a buffet and entertainment by Clive Fisher and his group, Misspent Youth. The expectation is that last year's total of £3,000 will be exceeded, thanks to all concerned. Elsewhere in this newsletter you will see important information about the advances in research into finding a treatment for RP. It is therefore more important than ever for members to consider what they can do to raise a pound or two for the grand endeavour. Please contact a committee member if you have any idea and need any help in getting it off the ground. We've got some big boots to fill now that Colin and Linda are in the process of moving to pastures new. Best wishes for successful fundraising. Hampshire Branch, Steve Harris. Hello and season's greetings from Hampshire Branch members. Our busy street collection season has continued into the autumn and most of our venues have proved to be very successful, so we are hoping to send another good sum to the BRPS Research Fund for 2003. We were able to mark World Retina Day on the 27th of September with a street collection in Romsey, where we raised £1,200. Many thanks to all our collectors who turned out for this and all our other events. Your efforts have been greatly appreciated and very worthwhile. We recently held a very successful AGM when we enjoyed talks from Anne Helliwell, one of our members who has recently returned from a two-year stay in Indonesia. Bob Newport from the Hampshire Association for the Care of the Blind and Lizzie Winchester who gave us a fascinating insight into her work in genetic research. We are now looking forward to our 25th anniversary AGM on the 16th of October next year, which we intend making a very special day. We are hopeful that our guest speakers will include two very eminent research professors. Watch this space for more details. Hearts and Beds Branch, John Westwood. 
Our annual walk and pub lunch was done in reverse this year. We met at the Three Tons Hotel in the pretty village of Ashwell, and after an enjoyable lunch, we set off on a tour of the village, guided by Jean, and ending at the home of senior member Roy Holloway, who provided us with a fine spread of tea and cakes. Phil Gibson, who has RP, is completing his year as a Master of Prywood Lodge, 8919 St Albans. We were one of his two nominated charities and will benefit by the amount of £500. Ken and Marion Purdy travelled to Leighton Buzzard to be presented with a £112 cheque from Connell's Residential, raised on the occasion of their Dress Down Day. From the other end of our area comes another cheque from Samantha Jevon. Her 12-year-old son, Spencer, has RP, and the family have raised another £145 from the darts matches at her local pub, the railway, Ponders End, Enfield. The above are just a selection of the many efforts of members and friends that keep our treasurer busy. The contents of collecting boxes continue to arrive. Ex-Stunstablian Joe's Costin's latest box contained £55. Thank you all. Please come and join us for our Christmas social on the 6th of December at the Wayside Centre Potter's Bar. Kent Branch, Mary Woodruff. Earlier this year, Mrs Gloria Pascoe of Swanley kindly donated for auction 25 stamp albums inherited from her father. He collected stamps most of his life and acquired a small collection from his father at the turn of the century. The sale of these resulted in a magnificent donation of £1,967 for research. We would like to express our gratitude to the family for allowing this family heritage to be sold for our funds. Sadly, Mrs Pascoe died just before the sale took place, but viewed the catalogue in which the albums were superbly illustrated and knew what the estimate was. She would have been pleased to know that the sale exceeded the original valuation. We would like to send our condolences to all the members of her family and are delighted to accept this donation in her memory with heartfelt thanks. Is there anybody there? May I now make a plea for a takeover bid for the Kent branch? Things have been quiet here for far too long and in spite of requests for a chairman to form a strong committee and get the branch working again, no offers have been forthcoming in the past. It would be very sad to have to add Kent to the list of branches which have recently had to close. Please contact me on 01892 526 342 if you can help. Northwestern Branch, Peter Best. The talk by Dr Steve Jones of the Rain Institute at our AGM in May, all about the latest developments in stem cell research, was most informative and exciting. The positive results being obtained are most encouraging, potentially a very powerful weapon in the fight against RP. Many thanks to Steve for giving up his Saturday to come to our AGM. It looks as though we're heading for a record fundraising year. We collected £1,291 at the Nantwich Jazz Festival. Many thanks to all who helped, especially several new people. Their help was most welcome, and we thank them most sincerely. The Altrincham collection netted £571, and the Wimslow a splendid £945. Preston suffered a bit because of dreadful weather, but we still collected £482. Again, many thanks to all who helped. 
We have received three other unexpected but extremely welcome donations. £701 donated by Sarah Howarth, our chairman's niece. Sarah collected the money for running the London Marathon. Many thanks and a wonderful achievement. £250 donated by Michelle Finlay, daughter of a colleague of our chairman's wife. Michelle did 100 hours charity work and her employer donated the money. Many thanks to Michelle and her employer. £140 donated by the Christian Aid Society Runcorn, with a special mention of Vera Fozard, who has RP and exhibited samples of her homemade pottery. Finally, a mention of two of our most dedicated and regular fundraisers, Ken and Margaret Wormsley. They probably raised more funds for the branch than any other members. They did the two-day Safeways collection single-handed, a great effort, and we must try to find some helpers to assist them at the collection they have booked for next January. Let's hope it is undercover. £222 collected at Crew Alexandra Football Ground, £649 collected at Safeways Supermarket Sandbatch, £100 from a raffle at the Crossfield Club, £36 from collections at Ken's Punch and Judy shows and other miscellaneous donations. Now some diary dates. By the time you read this, we shall have held our Bolton collections and our Blackpool social weekend. 10th and 11th of January 2004, store collection at Safeways Sandbatch. Contact Ken and Margaret Wormsley on 01270 580728. 28th of February 2004, meeting Henshaws. Mike Docker from the Disability Services Department at British Telecom has agreed to come and talk to us about all the services available for the visually impaired from BT. Somerset Branch, Mike Phillips. Our few dedicated collectors have been busy as usual this year with collections held at various venues across the county. So far this year we have collected nearly £3,500. This is much better than last year and with further collections to be held at Taunton Tesco's and Sedgemoor Services, this will be a good year for the Somerset Branch. Well done to all. At the Bournemouth BRPS AGM, a small group of members attended travelling by minibus driven by Robin Powell. An enjoyable day was had by all. Thanks, as always, to Robin for driving. On a glorious September day, Tom Graham organised a sponsored walk. The walk from Somerton to Charlton Mackerel and back across the Carey Valley has so far raised over £900, with more sponsorship money to come. Well done to all those who took part, and to Tom for making the arrangements. David Salter, who rides a tandem with his cycling partner, organised a treasure hunt and raffle and raised £91. Well done, David. Members will be sorry to hear of the deaths of Derek Lee, husband of Pat, Ros Horner and Margaret Licence, all of whom helped us in a variety of ways and will be sadly missed. Our sympathy goes out to their families. The committee send all members best wishes for a happy Christmas and a peaceful New Year. South East Scotland branch, John Honeyman. International Retina Week is now behind us, although, as Alan Wright remarked at the time, every week is Retina Week for us, and the BRPS Research Fund coffer is just that extra bit fuller. In our branch, it was the chairman who drew the short straw and had the pleasure of joining 3,500 runners in the Edinburgh Capital City Challenge 10km road race. 
which happily coincided with the week on Sunday, 21st of September. A modest sum of around £300 raised was well worth the blood, sweat and tears. Oh, and that incident on the starting line. Positioned at the rear of the field to allow the main pack to string out, tunnel vision being a bit of a nuisance at times, I inadvertently hooked my right foot around the left ankle of the chap who was, I thought, a good couple of metres to my right. As I assisted him back to his feet, I'm sure both he and the hundred or so onlookers saw the funny side. Fighting blindness being emblazoned all over my RP t-shirt. A further £100 was raised at a line dancing coffee morning organised by Christine Dixon. She assures me that the line dancing and the coffee drinking were conducted as separate activities. Thank you, Christine, and thank you also to Rosemary Honeyman for the £20 collected at a wee get-together over tea and biscuits with friends. We are treating this year's Retina Week as a bit of a trial run and I'm hopeful that more members can be mobilised in 2004 for a serious assault on fighting blindness. Thank you so much, Kate and Muriel, for your help and support. See you next year. I've been very encouraged by the number of branch members who have been in touch with me by email since I made a request to do so in our last local newsletter. I fully understand some people's hesitation at coming along to branch meetings. We all have to deal with RP in our own way, but it has been a real pleasure to have a chat and keep in touch with the branch's e-members. Please keep it up, and if email and internet are not your thing, my phone number is 01592 756 833. Can I finish by taking the opportunity to wish all branch members, national members and staff at headquarters a very happy festive season? Swansea Branch, Dicumru, Beryl Hughes. Unfortunately, our September meeting in Neath had to be cancelled, so we apologise to members who had intended to come. On December the 7th, our Christmas lunch will be held at the Ivy Bush Hotel, Carmarthen. Please contact our secretary, Athenia Maddock, or chairman, David Morgan, if you will be coming. Please try to attend as we have few occasions when we can meet up with our RP friends and wish happy Christmas to all. Another date to remember is the 25th of January at Neath, when we hope to have a buffet lunch as well as a meeting. We were very sad to hear of the death of one of our faithful members, Glyn John, from Bridge End. Although Glyn had a health scare some years ago, he made a good recovery and with constant care and attention from his wife Neris, led an active life until he suffered a series of strokes and died on the 9th of August. Our deepest sympathy goes to Neris and their two sons and their families. Donations have come to BRPS in lieu of flowers. Many thanks to Neris, who has been a firm supporter of our branch, especially with her sales of Christmas cards over the years. We send seasonal greetings to BRPS members wherever you are. Woking and District Branch, Lorraine Hope. Hello everyone. We thought we'd tell you about our branch's recent trip to St Thomas's Hospital RP Research Labs at the Rain Institute. We were invited along by Dr Ali Hussain after a meeting where he was our guest speaker. Dr Hussain is one of the doctors working with Professor John Marshall and he wanted us to see exactly where our fundraising money goes. There were 16 of us all together. Some went on a minibus and some made their own way from Waterloo. It was fascinating to see the London Eye so close. My husband and I did manage a trip on it afterwards and it was brilliant. 
Once in the Rain Institute, we were split into three groups and were rotated around three labs where the work carried out was explained in great detail and in language we could understand. There was plenty of interaction and even an opportunity to dissect a cow's eye, should you so wish. I actually had a go and it was interesting to say the least. The whole trip was fascinating, thoroughly enjoyable and we were made extremely welcome by the team there. We even had a room set aside for us with tea, coffee and biscuits. We would like to extend our grateful thanks to everyone who looked after us so well and maybe we can repeat the experience next year and see what progress has been made. Hope everyone has a good Christmas and Happy New Year. Yorkshire Branch, Mary Horsey Hope you have enjoyed the glorious summer, but as I write this, it is the first very cold day of autumn. Thanks go to all our fundraisers. Ron and Jean Moulds at Morrison's in Bradford raised £395. They were disappointed with this, as previously the total has been well in excess of this amount. This was most likely caused because collectors from other charities had been approaching customers for donations. The management will now only allow collectors in the stores and not by the doors. Special thanks go to Peter Thompson, captain of Elland Golf Club, for playing four rounds of golf in 11 hours and raising over £600. On the 27th of September, Retina Week, we had a very successful stride for sight, when over 60 people did a return walk over the Humber Bridge in warm sunshine, finishing with a picnic and a glass of wine. The day was enjoyed by all, and hopefully many more people are now aware of RP. Thanks go to all members and families who did the walk, also to those of you who sent donations. In addition to the walk, Richard Padmore cycled from Rotherham to the bridge the previous day, raising approximately £600. Sponsorship money for the event is expected to raise in excess of £2,500. It is now hoped that this will be a yearly event, so for those of you who did not join us on such an enjoyable day, look out for a further event next year. Happy Christmas to us all. Plus, a footnote from David Stevens, branch secretary, who would like to thank all of the collectors this summer and add Mary Horsey at Sainsbury's £336 and Chesterfield £322, also in his own Hull area, Prince's Quay £307, Tesco £508, Morrison's £560 and Jane England of Hessel 10-pin bowling £811. Many thanks to all and the guide dogs for their sterling work. Obituary in memory of Marge Yates Langley, 1931 to 2003. Our very dear friend Marge passed away suddenly. She was doing what she loved best outside in her garden, listening to the birds and picking nature's fruits. Marge was a founder member of the Coventry and District branch nearly 25 years ago. During this time, our branch's volunteers, past members and Marge have successfully raised over £100,000. A phenomenal effort by everyone. Marge was a hard-working, loyal stalwart of RP, always thinking of others. Thoughtful, delightful, always ready with a good story and a sense of adventure to match Captain Cook. For us, it is the end of an era and we already miss your presence at our meetings. You always seem to give it that special touch, with many of our guest speakers being so glad that you were in their audience, as you were always ready to ask questions, which meant that someone was listening. You can never be replaced, we know that, but you have set an example for the rest of us to follow. Our deepest condolences go to Hazel, Marge's very dear friend, also to Marge's sister Josie, 
brother Dennis and their families, and of course to all her friends in Leamington, who all miss her as much as we do. Rest in peace, Marge. We all love and miss you dearly. Letters From Mrs S. Blythe, Tunstall, Sunderland Just a note to thank the lady who wrote in the last edition about tax credits. She told us to ring the Inland Revenue, gave the telephone number and all the details they would require. So I did just that. It took me about two days to get through, but it was worth the try. I was told that I was entitled to some money each week, called tax credits. So, a big thank you to that lady. From Mr J Horrocks, Southampton. When I was first diagnosed in 1976, the range test showed a few spots of peripheral vision remained. These were in the top left part of my left eye. And curiously, this residual bit of peripheral sight enabled me, by looking downwards, to pick out directly ahead whitish objects by night, e.g. a painted garden gate. Later on, as central vision diminished, it helped to give, in daylight, some impression of objects such as buildings and cars. This benefit has now largely disappeared, and the shutting down of central vision is complete, save for awareness of bright light with no resolution or focus within it. I wonder how common retention of some flecks of peripheral vision is among RP sufferers. It would be interesting to hear from any readers who have shared my experience. Phone calls. The police have recently issued warnings about two telephone scams that are currently operating. In the first, you may receive a call claiming to be from the post office, checking your address and postcode and asking a few other questions. The post office make no such calls and it is claimed that 90% of people who give information have been burgled. In the second, you may receive a call from a person claiming to be a BT service engineer checking the line. You will be asked to dial 90HATCH and hang up. This gives them access to your phone line to make long-distance calls on your bill. This deception is used a lot by people phoning from prison. Be suspicious of anybody asking for information over the phone. Subscriptions you will soon be receiving an annual subscriptions payment form. Please pay promptly, either by making out a standing order on your bank or by sending a cheque. We rely upon subscriptions and associated donations to cover our administration costs so that all money raised by members' efforts can go straight to the research fund. If we have to send out a reminder, it places a lot of extra work on our small office staff and adds to our administrative costs. Please don't put the form aside. Return it as soon as you receive it. Unless, of course, you pay by bank standing order or have paid already. Next newsletter. Items for inclusion in the next newsletter, Spring 2004, must be with the editor by the 10th of January 2004. The editor's address is Mr S. D. Higgins, 54 Paddock Road, Newbury, Berkshire, RG147DG. Finally, Happy Christmas from all your readers. And this is the end of the newsletter. Please do not return the tape to the BRPS office.
RP Fighting Blindness, number 109, winter 2003, the newsletter of British Retinitis Pigmentosa Society. Your readers are Lorna Mathewman, Jerry Rust, Tony Mayston, and Jeff Strutt. Three of us are members of the Old Jailers Music and Drama Group from Buckingham. In this issue, editorial, secretary's notes, research news, a retina week, welfare news, Retina International, London Dinner, Taking Steps Part 2, Branch News, Obituary, Letters, Subscriptions. BRPS is grateful to Lloyd's TSB PLC for sponsorship of this newsletter. Editor, Mr S. D. Higgins, 54 Paddock Road, Newbury Barks, RG 147DG. Please remember, under our system for providing you with a taped version of the BRPS newsletters, you no longer need to return the tapes after you have listened to them. British Retinitis Pigmentosa Society, Registered Charity, number 271729. Honorary Secretary, Mrs Linda Cantor, MBE, BRPS, PO Box 350, Buckingham, MK18, 1GZ. Telephone 01280-821-334 for office inquiries. Email info at brps.org.uk. Website www.brps.org.uk. The welfare manager Mrs. Anne Fisher, 4 Middle Street, Thriplow, near Royston, Hearts, SG8 7RD. Telephone number 01763 208045. The helpline number is 01280 but from the 5th of January 2004, it will be 0845 123 2354. Membership subscriptions. Single membership is £10. Subscriptions which are due on the 1st of January should be made out to BRPS and sent to the Secretary at BRPS PO Box 350, Buckingham, MK18 1GZ. Any donations above the £10 subscription will be most welcome and received with grateful thanks. Braille copies. Please contact the office if you need your newsletter in Braille. Editorial by Selwyn Higgins. Yesterday, mid September, I received my printed copy of the autumn newsletter, and as I read through it, much of the news seemed slightly old. This is partly because things are now moving on so quickly, but also because issue number 108 became victim to certain delays for which I apologise. You normally receive your newsletter within five weeks of it leaving my hands. This allows for typesetting, proof-checking, printing, packing, labelling and postage. However, this summer an unfortunate combination of circumstances conspired against us. Things have moved on since July, not least in connection with the Community Fund Grant, work on which is now well underway, in the hands of Dr Reshma Patel, 
who is a scientist in Professor Bhattacharya's department at the Institute of Ophthalmology. This first grant payment has been received, backdated to the 1st of July, and meetings of the steering group, representing BRPS and the researchers, are proving helpful and informative. The real news this time is in the research news section. At the end of July, Dr Jerry Chader, who many of you met at our Bournemouth AGM, issued a press release that was unfortunately just too late to catch our autumn newsletter. Since then it has been burning a hole in my desk, but the exciting news is at last printed in this issue. To paraphrase Winston Churchill, this news is by no means the end, but it could be the beginning of the end. Have a great Christmas. P.S. I have tried to accommodate everybody's article in this issue, but in order to fit everything in, I have had to do a lot of pruning here and there. My thanks for sending so much. Secretary's Notes by Linda Cantor Those members who receive the newsletter on tape will know that Terry has left the Society after five years of coordinating our membership database. Well, that was the job Terry came to do, but he soon became involved in organising the taped version of our newsletter with members of the Buckingham Jailer's Amateur Dramatic Group. We have been fortunate in that Jeff Strutt has agreed to take on this role. Jeff's wife Hilary has been my voluntary reader for the past 12 years. It is impossible to convey in a few short sentences what a great help Hilary is. Being a pharmacist, she is able to interpret all the complicated grant details as she has a working understanding of the terms used. Now we have Jeff too. The first task he undertook was to read onto tape the inserts for the annual information folder, which was available in print at the AGM. Anybody who would like to receive the taped version, four tapes, please contact the office. Our new database coordinator, Paul Netherton, joined us on the 22nd of September 2003. At least that is all Paul thinks he has joined us for. On behalf of you all, I would like to welcome Paul to the BRPS and at the same time wish Terry all the best in his new appointment. We recently received the 10th annual donation from Mrs Elizabeth Smith, the organiser of the Specsaver Golf Tournament, which is sponsored by Southlawn Pharmaceuticals Limited and Cooper Vision. We are very grateful for this annual donation to the Research Fund and thankful in the present economic climate that we have such regular supporters. I hope you enjoy a peaceful and happy Christmas and New Year. All best wishes from me, Kate, Yvonne and Paul. Research News by Selwyn Higgins You will no doubt recall an article in newsletter number 107 in which I briefly described a process for introducing a factor known as CNTF into the eye to support elements of the retina using slow-release capsules. It is a process that has shown encouraging results with work on animals with RP. That article was written in March of this year, and I did not expect to be printing the item that follows just yet. It is a press release issued by Dr Jerry Chader, who is Chief Scientific Officer for the American Foundation Fighting Blindness. At our Bournemouth AGM, many of you met Dr Chader, who spoke on many aspects of development in research, including the need to bridge the formidable gap between successful results on animals and starting human trials. Human Safety Studies, Dr Jerry Chader. The Foundation Fighting Blindness recently learned that the US Food and Drug Administration, FDA, has approved an application from the biotechnology company Neurotech to begin a Phase 1 human clinical trial. This will test the safety of a delivery device containing a drug to treat patients with end-stage retinitis pigmentosa, RP, Clinical testing is scheduled to begin in the autumn of 2003. 
This safety study represents the first clinical trial of a drug therapy for RP. One of the major challenges to treatment of retinal disease has been the ability to deliver therapeutic drugs directly to the retina. Neurotech, based in France and Rhode Island, developed encapsulated cell technology, ECT, which enables controlled, continuous, long-term delivery of a drug called ciliary neurotropic factor, CNTF, in patients with end-stage RP. The Foundation Fighting Blindness, FFB, was an early supporter of the use of this technology for retinal diseases. Dr Gerald Chader, Chief Scientific Officer of FFB, said, Today's announcement is one we've all been anxiously awaiting. CNTF and several other drug therapies have shown promise in a wide variety of animal models with RP. However, none of these drugs can pass through the blood retina barrier, making traditional drug delivery with systemic injections or pills ineffective. Neurotech's implantable ECT device may have at last broken through this previously formidable barrier. ECT consists of a very small capsule containing retinal pigment epithelial cells, RPE, that have been genetically modified to produce CNTF. The capsule has very small pores that allow oxygen and nutrients to diffuse into sustain the RPE cells and also allow CNTF to diffuse out. The tiny pores prevent the modified RPE cells from escaping and protect the cells from the body's immune system. CNTF was chosen for its potent ability to delay the death of retinal photoreceptor cells in animal studies. Because CNTF has not been tested in patients before, the first phase of this clinical trial will test the drug and the ECT device in 10 pre-selected patients with end-stage RP. In this way, the safety of the treatment can be evaluated without risk to existing vision. If all goes well in this phase 1 safety study, a phase 2 trial would then test the ability of the patient to preserve vision in sighted RP patients. The timing of future trials is not yet known, and at this time patients are not being selected for future trials. ECT and other emerging drug delivery devices could open the door for several survival factors that, like CNTF, have shown promise in treating the entire spectrum of retinal degenerative diseases. We hope soon to see other drug therapies join CNTF in clinical trials. Retina Week events. Mireille Portlock. Well done all of you who organised events, gathered sponsorships, took part, came as supporters and collected money afterwards. Romsey was flooded with BRPS tabards for the street collection. The London dinner a week earlier had raised a great deal of money. Three Stride for Sight sponsored walks took place during that week, one along the seafront at South End, one along Rutland Water and one across the Humber Bridge. The weather was breezy but sunny and there were great socialising events. John Honeyman ran the Edinburgh 10km town race, wearing our T-shirt. 
The total raised by these events is around £30,000, which is simply stupendous. What is also very important is the fact that we were seen, RP sufferers, their families and friends and supporters, having a good time, giving a positive message, stating that we were hoping for a cure in the not-too-distant future. Next year, I hope we shall do even better. Your Society Needs You by Colin MacArthur With such great news coming through on the research front, it is now more than ever important that we all get involved in whatever way we can in the society. Now that we are into the next phase, i.e. treatment trials, we must all pull together to ensure that this era does not have to be slowed down due to lack of funds. The scientists, trustees and management committee will be looking at ways of securing large amounts of funding in the coming months. However, it is still most important that branch fundraising, subscriptions and donations are improved because in recent years these figures have shown a slowdown, despite the efforts of branches to encourage all of their members to join in the work. The Society needs these funds to be stable or improved so that future planning and continuing research projects can be supported. It's your eyesight that is our main concern. It was refreshing to hear about the excellent result of the London branch's House of Commons dinner. It was further encouraging to hear that the new initiative of Stride for Sight was taken up by five branches and several thousand pounds raised. We hope to increase the number of branches taking part in this event next year, during Retina Week, so that we can plan publicity to maximise the awareness of RP. If you wish to help your local branch or take part in fundraising when you do not belong to a branch, there is a fundraising pack available from the office. You will also be able to find the contact of your nearest branch. May I once again thank everybody who has taken part in fundraising events and wish you all a Merry Christmas. I hope that you will make a New Year resolution to make it a prosperous year for BRPS. Welfare News by Anne Fisher Pension credit is a new entitlement for people aged 60 and over that is being introduced from the 6th of October 2003. This could mean extra money every week. It will replace minimum income guarantee. It guarantees everyone aged 60 and over an income of at least £102.10 a week if you are single or £155.80 a week if you have a partner. These amounts may be more if you have caring responsibilities, are severely disabled or have certain housing costs. For the first time, people aged 65 and over who have made modest arrangements for their retirement may also be rewarded. There will be no upper savings limit for pension credit and savings of 6,000 or less are not counted. For more information, get leaflet PC1L Pension Credit. Pick it up, it's yours. The leaflet will tell you whether you might qualify, how much you could get and how to apply. You can get the leaflet from your pension centre or social security office or the pension credit application line on 0800 991234 or their website www.thepensionservice.gov.uk The Disability Discrimination Act aims to ensure that disabled people are able to access the same goods and services to the same standard as the rest of the population. Guidance to the law and subsequent case law have shown that refusing access to a working guide dog amounts to refusing access to its owner, and therefore breaks the law. However, there does seem to be confusion about this point amongst some guide dog owners, 
The key word is working. If a guide dog is not in harness, it is not officially working. There is then no responsibility on any shopkeeper, restaurant owner or landlord to allow access for the dog. So if your dog is in harness and working, it should not be refused access to premises where goods and services are provided. But if your dog is not in harness and is not in a formal sense working, you cannot legally insist that proprietors allow it access. Holidays. Action for Blind People has four hotels in Tainmouth, Western Supermare, Bognor Regis and the Lake District. All hotels run special interest breaks ranging from murder mystery and Halloween, line dancing, country pubs and lunch, unisex pampering for all and many more. For more information about these breaks, call Action for Blind People on 020-7635-4800 and ask for their Leisure Break Hotels publication. British Airways, Britannia Airways and other smaller British airlines are about to announce that they will carry guide dogs free of charge on international flights. Prior to this, a guide dog owner would have to pay £400 to £950 to take their dog with them when travelling abroad. Guide dogs hope to publish further information on how you can take advantage of this major breakthrough in the near future. They will produce a video and a tape version of this video for guide dog owners, which will have useful tips to help navigate the international travel system at airports and ports. Dolphin Computer Access is marketing Cypher, which can create your own Braille documents. Cypher requires little time to install and, coupled with an embosser, allows you to produce Braille rapidly and accurately with a minimum of training. No prior knowledge of Braille is required, but for those familiar with Braille, Cypher offers full control over formatting and allows you to create and save style templates. Cypher can be used with a networked embosser. For more information, contact Dolphin on 0845 130 Finally, you may be interested in a new electronic cane, which recently won a Design Application of the Year award. It is called the bat cane, no doubt because it uses ultrasonic signals to bounce off objects in the way that a bat does. This covers the area in front and to the head height of the user. Cambridge Consultants Limited hope to have the cane on the market early in 2004. A Retina International World Congress 2004 by Stephen Jones, RI representative of BRPS. The last two RI World Congresses, Tokyo in 2002 and Toronto in 2000, took place rather a long way from home, but the 2004 Congress will be in the Netherlands and hopefully many BRPS members will be able to attend. The actual location is the seaside town of Noordwijk, which is situated between The Hague and Amsterdam, only about 20 minutes from Schiphol Airport. Nordvik offers 12 kilometres of sandy beaches and is known as the Flower Seaside Resort of Europe due to its proximity to the bulb fields. 
The public sessions of the Congress, entitled Focus on Seeing, take place on Friday the 2nd of July and Saturday the 3rd of July. I have not yet seen a full programme for the event, but I'm sure that our hosts, Retina Netherlands, will organise a full and fascinating series of presentations. The usual format is to have a mix of plenary sessions and specialist talks so that you can choose to attend those that match your special interests. Most types of retinal degeneration are covered, but RP usually gets the lion's share of attention. World-renowned medical experts present most sessions, but there are also presentations on welfare, social issues and other topics. Apart from the official sessions, there will also be an exhibition and other parallel events. In case you are wondering, the official language is English. In addition to the main two days of focus on seeing, there will also be other things going on. The General Assembly of Retina International, which is only attended by the official representatives of the various member countries, will take place on the two days preceding the Congress. A separate youth programme has been organised, further details below. Various social events will take place, including a gala dinner on the Friday night. Retina Netherlands are very keen on youth activities and they have organised a five-day youth programme from the 30th of June to the 4th of July. The programme offers a mix of serious and social activities, ending with a beach party on the last day. Some of the presentations will be specifically for youth members, while others will link with the main congress. Our hosts are hoping that a very large number of youth members from many countries will attend. Chloe Scapelhorn, the newly appointed BRPS International Youth Representative, who has written an article in this newsletter, will be attending and hopes to persuade many others to join her. The actual venue for the Congress will be the Hotel de Van Orange, which is the complex of hotels, a four- and five-star standard, with very large conference facilities. People attending the Congress can choose to stay in one of these hotels or elsewhere in Norgevik, which offers a very wide range of accommodation of all types, from campsites to B&Bs to big hotels. The question in many minds will be, so how much does it cost? At the time of writing, early October, the details of costs have not yet been released by Retina Netherlands, so I suggest that all those with internet access keep a close watch on the website www.retinanederland.org forward slash Retina Netherland is one word, which includes a section in English. Some preliminary information is already posted on the website and I am assured that full cost details and programmes will appear soon. I expect that the registration fee will be about €100 Euros if you take advantage of the early bird discount before the 28th of February. It will also be possible to make hotel reservations in the hotels Van Orange on the website and to make bookings for the youth programme. Whether you decide to make your own arrangements or to form a group, perhaps organised by a branch, I hope that a large number of BRPS members will make the trip across the North Sea. My experience of previous Retina International Congresses is that they offer an intriguing mix of education about the latest research news, combined with a wonderful opportunity to meet lots of like-minded people in a very convivial social setting. 
why not include an extra few days at the seaside or in Amsterdam or visit some of the other attractions on offer in the Netherlands? There are 850 places available that will be allocated on a first-come, first-served basis. So please contact Retina Netherlands if you wish to go. Details on website. See you there. Calling BRPS Youth. Hello, my name is Chloe Scapelhorn and I have just been selected as the International Youth Representative for BRPS. I am 20 years old and currently completing my final year at university in London where I am studying graphic information design. I do not have RP myself but have watched my mother's sight deteriorate throughout my childhood as a result of the disease. For this reason I began to show an interest in BRPS in my early teens when I began to understand the disability a bit more and appreciate just how much it affected my mother's life. I would accompany her to street collections and at school I coordinated fundraising events with my school friends. When the opportunity arose to become the international youth representative I jumped at the chance. My aim is to create a list of young people from their teens to mid-thirties in the UK who, have, who either have RP or a special interest in the subject. From here we can begin to form the first British youth group for RP. There are already youth groups active in many countries who have met in various countries, one of which was Athens. The REY, Retina Europe Youth, website has information on what they get up to and also gives you the opportunity to contact people all over Europe. The address is http colon forward slash forward slash psrp dot idn dot org dot pl forward slash rey forward slash. It's worth having a look at. It would be great to get a large number of you together to represent Britain and even come to the next meeting in the Netherlands next July. It would be an opportunity to meet the other members of Retina International and a chance to get to know each other better. For all of this to be successful, I need to keep the British Youth Group members, you, informed about international activities and how you can get involved. I need your ideas on the best way of doing this. Maybe we could create a website designed specifically for you or a British Youth Newsletter. These are all ideas I would love to have your thoughts on. It would be great to hear from you, so please email me with suggestions or just to introduce yourself. I can't do this without you. And the email address is Chloe Scapelhorn, that's all one word, at hotmail.com. RAG Blackpool Weekend. The Retinal Awareness Group, RAG, is holding a weekend in Blackpool from Friday the 23rd to Sunday the 25th of April 2004. The aim of the weekend is to help those with sight problems get advice and information to live and cope with sight deterioration today. Dr Andrew Webster, consultant ophthalmologist from Moorfields Eye Hospital, London, will explain RP and answer your questions. Sessions will be held on a variety of subjects of interest to us all. There will be an exhibition of aids and equipment for the home and employment. Please send me an SAE for more details about this weekend or phone Margaret Townsend on 01727 873598 Dennis Haig, 23 Holland Gardens, Fleet, Hans, GU513NE BRPS London's Dinner, Auction and Raffle, House of Commons on the 20th of September 2003 by Jonathan M. Abro What an evening! 
After all the preparation, organising, running around, hoping for success of being able to raise some money, it was fantastic. Capital letters, double exclamation mark. Everything worked perfectly and was far beyond our expectations and hopes. We arrived at the House of Commons on a gloriously sunny day and the setting could not have been better. The inside of the House of Commons is an amazingly ornate and beautifully decorated Gothic building and certainly a venue I would never have dreamed of going to for dinner. People all arrived on time and dressed to the nines to go on the tours, which by all accounts they really enjoyed. The tours ended at our portrait photographer's stand, then led into the sparkling reception. This was held in the strangers' dining room, where MPs can take guests for meals, and where everyone drank bubbly, looked at the auction items all beautifully on display, mingled and generally got into the swing of things. Dinner was called by the Rui, the restaurant manager, by banging very loudly three times on the wooden board with his gavel. Everyone fell silent immediately, and then calling out, My lords, ladies and gentlemen, dinner is served. With that, everyone made their way pretty sharply to the members' dining room, where only MPs can eat if it is not an organised function. Our MC for the evening was Buster Dover, and we had four other runners, all being family of members of our branch. We were really privileged to have the most educational, interesting and entertaining speakers attend the event. Lord Birdwood, BRPS trustee, gave a great opening speech. Quite a hard-hitting and educational speech, I thought. Next we heard from Professor Tony Moore, a leading researcher into RP. His was also a really interesting and educational speech in plain English so everyone could understand him. He mentioned that it was the start of International Retinal Awareness Week, so an appropriate night for the event, and, most importantly, how much everyone's money will help with research and finding a cure. Then between the main course and dessert we heard from our main speaker of the evening, Sue Arnold, a newspaper columnist who is also practically completely blind from RP. She told some hilarious stories, while, like the two speakers before her, managed to educate everyone a bit on RP and to throw in a few hard-hitting aspects. Our auctioneer was the fantastically flamboyant Simon Rigall. He kindly donated his services for the evening and was absolutely brilliant. While the starters were being served, he played a game called Heads and Tails. Everyone who wanted to play puts five pounds into an envelope on the table and stands up. You put your hands on your head, or tail. Simon flips a coin and calls it. All those who get it wrong sit down. It doesn't take long to whittle it down to about eight people, who are all called to stand in the front of the room and play the last rounds. The winner got £100, and we raised our first £400 for the evening. While we ate our main course, Buster and his trusty helpers drew the raffle prizes, a case of wine, dinner for two, music, clothing and a garden shredder for the five lucky winners. After our main course, up got Simon and really got the auction going. We had 35 lots, ranging from holiday homes in Italy, Scotland and Wales, to signed England rugby shirt and rugby ball, magnificent Venetian Salvati Marano Martini cocktail glasses, to a sailing day on a global challenger round the world yacht, and many more along the way. Simon was excellent. No standing dryly behind the podium for him. 
he was darting all over the place, telling people to up their bids. It's only another £20, or you don't really want to lose out now, do you? And so it went until the last lot had been sold. It was a really fun and very successful auction. From the auction alone we raised £11,845. Dinner was delicious. One of the ladies at our table summed it up perfectly by asking how do they manage to get it so delicious and perfectly cooked when serving it to so many people. So now that it is all said and done, and I am adding up the final figures, apart from the last few bits and pieces to add or subtract, the event really surpassed all of our greatest expectations. I can now say we have raised a massive amount of money in excess of £22,000. I can't tell you how delighted I am with this result. It definitely makes all the hard work in preparation so worthwhile. I must thank all of the committee, and especially Iona Stern, our chair, and my respective partners, Stephen Dover and Annie Cobb, without whom we could not have pulled it off. Be sure to check out the gallery section of the London Branch's website, www.brps.org.uk forward slash London, to see the photos. Taking Steps In the last issue of Fighting Blindness, I printed the first instalment of a story by Eddie Woodbridge. As a recap, Emma, whose RP is developing, has been told by the specialist that she must give up driving. The story continues. Can't I just sort of turn my head more, she'd asked, demonstrating how. Thanks to years of yoga practice, she could turn her head easily and have a good view of everything going on around her. But no, he was adamant. My colleague here, he is a witness, you must give up driving altogether. Chris, who knew she'd been feeling anxious about the appointment, was in the kitchen when she got home. Well, hang on a minute, I need a drink. You want one? She poured them each a generous scotch, quickly drank hers, reached for the car keys hanging from the hook and strode out of the door. Starting the car, she drove up the road, turned round, drove back again and coming to a halt, yanked on the handbrake. Well, that's that. Drink driving without a seatbelt. Go out with a bang. Well, not literally, she said, as she went back into the house and then burst into tears. There were many more tears over the ensuing years. Tears of frustration at having to be dependent on other people. Tears of pain when she fell down steps or tripped over things and hurt herself. The move to the city three years later had helped, though. The children had all left home and her husband had been made redundant and taken early retirement. So there was nothing to stop them from selling up. They bought a house where everything was within walking distance. Reasonably priced grocery shops, well-stocked libraries and interesting organisations and classes covering pottery, painting, winemaking, drumming, the list was endless. Bus and train stations were nearby, making independent visits further afield easy. And they both quickly became involved in local activities. But lately Emma had been aware that her life seemed to be shrinking again because she was avoiding going out on her own at night. It wasn't that she was scared of the dark, she was just fed up with falling down steps and bumping into things. And it wasn't just at night either. Going into a dark Devon pub for lunch with friends she'd often trip. Gosh, I must be drunk already, or anybody can fall over when they leave a pub, but it takes real skill to do so when entering, she'd say with a laugh. But inside she hated the embarrassment and the frustration of what she thought would be perceived as clumsiness or carelessness. Choosing what to eat was difficult too. If the room was dark, she struggled to read the menu and then needed to choose things that were distinctive and easy to pick up on a fork. Mixed grills were impossible. 
It wasn't until she tasted whatever she'd put in her mouth that she could tell whether it was a piece of sausage, steak, bacon, chip or a bit of garnish. Once it was a butter pat intended to be spread on the peas. Somehow or other, the subject cropped up when one of her daughters was visiting. Get a lamp, Mum, and put it on the table if the lighting's poor, Louise had said. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Oh, and call myself Florence, I suppose. I'd feel a twit. No, make a feature of it. Be colourful. You like purple. You're always quoting that Jenny Joseph poem about getting old and wearing purple. Get a lamp and decorate it with purple tinsel. Why not? They laughed, then Louise asked if she'd consider getting a white stick. I'm not blind, I just can't see very well sometimes. And not at all when it comes to uneven surfaces or poor light. That's not blind. What is it then? It's, uh, well, I don't want to give up. I'm still me. It's not giving up. It's finding a solution so that you don't have to give up doing the things you want to do. Well, I'll think about it. And Emma did. She tried not to and mostly managed to push the thought to the back of her mind, but somehow it wouldn't go away. So one day she took a deep breath and sent an email to the organiser of the local Retinitis Pigmentosa Society. Just a quick question. I realise that I've been totally pig-headed about not admitting I can't see a single thing in the dark and now accept that perhaps I need a white stick if I want to go out on my own at night. I know it won't help me see any better, but it might allow other people to see me and get out of the way so I won't bang into them. Problem is, where do I get one? Emma reread what she'd written, then continued. One of those folding jobs I can put in my bag, given the slightest chance. Not the rigid sort that gets left on buses. Any ideas? And do I need a note or anything? Do you have any top tips on how to use them or how much they cost? Cheers, Emma. An answer came back the next day. Thanks for your email. With your permission, I'll contact the rehabilitation officer for the visually handicapped in your area, who will supply everything you need, white stick, etc., and show ways of achieving greater mobility. And I'll post you a couple of leaflets, which I'm sure you'll find useful. Continued next issue. That's the end of side one. Stand by me, if the nurse did tell.